You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. going to cost him dearly. This also happens when we go on our own instead of looking to the Lord. It costs us dearly. We end up having to pay something because we're talking about compromise and we start when we start compromising our values, when we start compromising our relationship with the Lord, it usually ends up costing us dearly. Usually ends up ending costing us with great pain and suffering. There's a lot to be gained from compromise. There are times that compromise can be a good thing, but when it comes to your faith and living in a way that honors God, compromise is never okay. As Pastor Dave will point out in today's message, you can gain the whole world, but is it worth losing your soul? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 16 as he continues his message, Judah, a compromising nation. Although the enemies of Judah could not capture Jerusalem, they did cause great damage by killing thousands of soldiers and then taking thousands more prisoners off to Samaria. Once again, reading 2 Chronicles, we find that the Lord raises up a prophet in Israel to warn the Samaritans that they were breaking God's law and inviting his judgment by taking people to Judah. The prophet's name is Oded. And he pointed out three sins that the army of Israel was committing. First, they were capturing the people of Israel. Remember, these are God's children still. They may be in the northern kingdom, but they are still God's children. Not only were they capturing the people, but they were killing them indiscriminately. And thirdly, they were making slaves out of the captives. And no Israelite should be a slave, according to God's law. So they were breaking God's law, left and right. And Oded prophesied against them. He told the people of Israel that in doing these things, they showed no fear of the Lord. And basically were asking and basically begging for the Lord to punish them by doing these things. God was indeed angry with Judah, but he would be also angry at Israel for threatening Judah in the way they were. What is really, really interesting is that after the message was delivered by the prophet, The leaders of Israel stood and affirmed what had been told to them and urged the army to cease and desist and not sin against the Lord Jehovah. The remarkable thing happened. The people accepted the message of God and they repented. They changed their their treatment of their prisoners. They fed them and helped those who were wounded. But unfortunately, this was short-lived. They eventually go back to their wicked ways. They let the captives return to Judah with a message. What do you think the message was that the captives took back to Judah. Be careful when you have captives of your own. Be careful to take, or else you too will be carried away captive. This falls on deaf ears because we know that in not too many years hence, Judah would be carried away to Babylon, and they would become captive for 70 years, according to God's prophecy. 
Interesting that the Lord chastises a nation who has no relationship with him. The Lord chastises a nation who has no relationship with him. And, and you know that in Psalm 33, that beautiful statement that the psalmist makes, 33 verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. It's interesting. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, a nation that will consciously align itself with God and all his purposes will be blessed. And I'm a history buff and I have gone back through the history books and I love to study history. This is the way it's been for the United States of America. It has been that way for a long time. We have been a very blessed nation because our God has been the Lord. The nation was founded on Judeo-Christianity principles. All the things that were written were about Christianity. And here we are now turning our backs on the Lord. We're turning our backs on the Lord. It says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That doesn't seem to be happening right now. That doesn't seem to be happening. So it's a very tense time. I like what Guzik says, quote, in a national sense, this is Israel, the people and the nation chosen for a unique place in the plan of God. In a broader sense, it speaks of blessings that belongs to all those chosen by the Lord, regarded as his own inheritance, including us, United States, those who have accepted Christ. We belong to him. We belong to him. Ahaz has to raise the money somehow to pay for this help. So he robs the house of the Lord. He, he, he robs the house of the Lord to help pay for this man. Instead of going to the Lord and asking for help, instead of humbling himself before the Lord, instead of asking for the Lord help, he has to rob the, the, the house of the Lord to pay for this man. This is what happens when we don't have a great relationship with God or no relationship with God. We go to man. We look for man's responsibilities. And here I am looking around like people are here. It's crazy. We go to man's responsibilities and we, we look to man for our help. How crazy is that? We have a wonderful God who owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. He, he owns everything. He created everything. But yet we, all we want to do is go and get help from man. We desperately need man's help instead of God's help. Israel the entire nation, both the northern kingdom of Israel and Judah, has been shown time and time and time and time again that if they would humble themselves and come before God and seek his face, he would do wonderful things for them. Likewise, church, if we would but humble ourselves, if we would seek God with our whole heart, God will continue to do mighty works. He will continue to do the things that we ask him to do. But when we have a half-hearted relationship, we seek other things instead of the Lord. Ahaz is saved by this Assyrian guy, but it's going to cost him dearly. This also happens when we go on our own instead of looking to the Lord. It costs us dearly. We end up having to pay something because we're talking about compromise. And we start, when we start compromising our values, when we start compromising our relationship with the Lord, it usually ends up costing us dearly. Usually ends up ending costing us with great pain and suffering. 
So Judah was being attacked by Israel and Syria, but God also brought the Edomites into the picture and the dreaded Philistines also into the fight. Ahaz sends word to the Assyrian. He asks for help. So out of fear and no consulting the Lord, he compromises and sells out to the Assyrians. Ahaz did not go to the Lord because he didn't have a relationship with him. He didn't make the Lord the priority of his life. Therefore, why consult him if he's not one person who I have a, a relationship with? So as he speaks to these enemies of Israel, he sounds like, as one commentator says, I love this quote, a flattering flunky, what we would call a bootlicker. <laughs> I, I like that. I don't know why I like that. So this bootlicker, this guy, he goes to this guy, and look what he does. This is what's interesting to me. He comes up to this Tiglath guy, and he calls himself his son, his servant. This is a strange position for a descendant of David. This is a strange position for him to take before a pagan king. I'm your servant. I'm your son. This is a hard position for him to take in front of this man. Just turn your back completely on the Lord God Jehovah. So what does this bootlicker do? He takes all the wealth of the Israel temple and he places the items and he sends it to the king as a gift. It becomes payoff money. It becomes tribute. Ahaz makes Judah now a nation under the control of a foreign power. It's a nation that is under the control of a foreign power. Yes, they're protected, but their hope and their trust is now in a man and not in the Lord God Jehovah. And this, folks, is a scary place to be. When you put your trust in a man, it is a scary, scary place to be. We trust in the Lord our God. And in only him do we put our trust. We do not put our trust in any man save Jesus Christ. We do not put our trust in anyone except him. Please, listen to that. So Tiglas summons Ahaz to Damascus for orders. He calls Ahaz up to Damascus because now he's going to give him some orders. But Ahaz, who has compromised politically... Also, but more importantly, now he compromises religiously and he goes against God's word one more time. Let's read verses 10 through 18. Now, King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Teglath-Pilserer, king of Assyria, and saw an altar that was at Damascus and King Ahaz sent to Arijah the priest and the design of the altar and its pattern according to all of its workmanship. Then Uriah, Uriah, the priest, built an altar according to the king Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah, the priest, made it before king Ahaz came back from Damascus. And when the king came back from Damascus, the king saw the altar, and the king approached the altar and made offerings on it. So he burnt his burnt offering and his grain offering and he poured his drink offering and sprinkled blood on this of his peace offerings on the altar. He also brought the bronze altar which was before the Lord from the front of the temple from between the new altar and the house of the Lord and put it on the north side of the new altar. Then King Ahaz commanded Uriah the priest saying, 
on the great new altar burn the morning burnt offering and the evening rain offering and the king's burnt sacrifice and the grain offering and the burnt offering of all the people of the land, their grain offering and drink offerings and sprinkle on it all the blood of the burnt offering and the blood of the sacrifice and the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. Thus did Uriah the priest according to all that the king has commanded. And the king Ahaz cut off the panels of the carts, removed the labors from them, and he took down to the sea from the bronze oven, oxen, excuse me, that were under it, and put on the pavement of stones. Also he removed the Sabbath pavilion, which they had built in the temple, and he removed the king's outer entrance from the house of the Lord on account of the king of Assyria. Wow. This is some heavy-duty stuff. This is really some heavy-duty stuff. It's one thing for him to compromise politically and give up his stature as king and basically become a bootlicker to this guy. It's one thing to do that. But now he's in total rebellion against the Lord our God. He's in total rebellion against the Lord God Jehovah. He's actually rearranging the temple. He's taking out the things of God that God showed Moses to build in the tabernacle, that God showed Solomon to build in the temple. He's actually removing those and bringing in now this pagan altar into front and center in the temple. This is horrendous, folks. But I, I have to ask the question, You remember what happened to Uzziah? When Uzziah went in and thought he was a priest and took the part of the priest and he did priestly things, what happened to him? He got leprosy. He was struck with leprosy. Nothing seems to happen to this guy at this time. But he's set up for a giant fall. This guy is now, not only has he set himself up for a giant fall, He set the nation up for a giant fall. He is setting Israel up to be chastised by God, that God's judgment would come upon the entire kingdom. Ahaz is perverting the worship at the temple. He's perverting worship at the temple. He's bringing in strange things. Ahaz goes to Damascus, he sees this altar, and he covets it. He covets the altar, and he wants it so badly that he sends the uh, plans to Uriah, the, 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 the priest. That's very strange. Especially, didn't he remember what happened to Isaiah? I mean, th- doesn't he remember that? I don't know. But Uriah, the priest, does whatever the king commands. I guess if you don't do what the king commands, you'll be looking for your head. I don't know. But he does whatever the king commands. He goes against God's law. He's a priest, and he's going against God's law. Doesn't say whose idea it was, does it? We don't know. We think it was King Ahaz's idea, but it could have been the Assyrian king telling him he had to do that. We're not 100% sure. We don't really know. Scripture doesn't say. But brothers and sisters, this is what happens when you're not fully and truly committed to the Lord God. When you're not faithful to his service, you start bringing other things into worship. You start bringing strange things into worship and you start offering them up to God. You start offering these things up to God. God doesn't want our sacrifice. God doesn't want our offerings. Sacrifice and offerings I do not wish. 
there's been a sacrifice and his name was Jesus Christ. There will be no other sacrifice necessary. But Ahaz pushes the altar of God away, the laver and, 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 and the two, um, the, 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 the bulls that are holding it up. He pushes them off, the oxen that are holding it up, pushes them away. He pushes them aside. He removes the true altar line. And we see this happening day after day in Christian ministries. Somebody sees something that's out there in the world and they go, you know what? That would work good in church. And let's bring it in. And let's put it in church. And they bring it in and they put it in church. It's not glorifying God. It's glorifying man. It's meeting a, a tickling need that someone wants. When the church begins to imitate the world, the church is in trouble. Major trouble. We cannot imitate the world. In fact, Scripture says, come out from among them and be separate. We should have nothing to do with the world. Although we live in this world, we're not in, in this world, but not of the world. When the church begins to imitate this, we are in extremely trouble. Moses built this tabernacle according to the law of the Lord and specific instructions. Solomon followed Moses and the Lord's plan when he built that temple. A.W. Tozer made this quote, quote, aside from a few of the grosser sins, the sins of the ungenerated world are now approved by a shocking number of professionally of professed born-again Christians. We cannot bring into our worship service, we not, cannot bring into our church the world and expect God to bless it. He didn't bless this. It's happening all over the world as it slowly comes into the church. And what was once bizarre now becomes normal. It now becomes normal. Ahaz thought he would be pleased with the sacrifice. The Lord would be pleased with the sacrifices he's making on this magnificent altar. But he was wrong. Real wrong. Because as I said, the Lord does not want sacrifice. The Lord wants obedience. The Lord wants obedience. He wants us to obey. Ahaz worshipped foreign gods, and the Lord rejected his sacrifices. The religious experiences some churches may excite people. It might even entertain them, but they do not edify the church or exalt the Lord. The church is not a theater. We call this a sanctuary for a reason. Yes, it looks like an auditorium, but we view it as a sanctuary, a place that is holy, a place where we come and we can worship together our Lord and we can hear our Lord and we can speak his word, a place that is holy and, and set apart. We don't want this to become a theater. And when you guys come back and sit in these chairs, we don't want you to be an audience. We don't want that to happen. Sadly, when Ahaz replaced the order, it was just the beginning. He remodels the labor. He takes the 10 movable stands and he takes the 10 basins that were prepared for sacrifice. Where does the compromise end? Where does the compromise end? When we start allowing a little bit here and a little bit there, where does the compromise end? Once it begins, there seems to be no end of compromise. It's like a little tiny ball of snow on the top of a mountain that begins to roll down and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what compromise does to us. That's what compromise does to our hearts. It gets bigger and bigger in there, and then pretty soon we can't find the Lord because the compromise is in our face. It grows until it gets out of control. All it takes is for evil to triumph in a weak person, and compromise is given. 
Uriah and the priest compromised and disobeyed the law of Moses that God had given out. They compromised to the Lord. And I'm surprised that they weren't struck dead. God is a long-suffering God. His mercy is incredible. Ahaz was weak and he allowed these things to take place in the kingdom and he allowed these things to take place in the temple. He not only allowed them, but he pushed them. He was the one that pushed these things into people. What eventually happened is that Ahab took everything, closed the doors to the temple, and set up altars in the streets. If you read 2 Chronicles, he closed the doors of the altar and they started worshiping in the streets of Jerusalem. The scripture came to mind. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 6 says, Don't you know that a little leaven spoils the whole loaf? Don't you know that a little, little compromise, a little sin begins to fester? And pretty soon it festers and festers and it will spoil the whole loaf. Once we allow worldliness to enter into the fellowship, it will grow and grow. It will fester and fester and eventually it will pollute the fellowship and eventually it will take over. It will take over. It wasn't until the reign of Hezekiah that the temple Hezekiah defiled was reopened and sanctified for ministry. Hezekiah will come in and take care of all these things. Hezekiah is one of the last good kings that we have seen. Let's read 19 and 20. Now the rest of the acts of Ahaz, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? So Ahaz rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his place. It's interesting, but again, you go back to 2 Chronicles 28. When Ahaz died, he's not buried in the royal tomb. He is not buried in the royal tomb because of his wickedness. The unbelief and his unfaithfulness to God that Ahaz exhibited did great harm and damage to the kingdom of Judah. And it set it up for this giant slide that's going to happen. Yes, Hezekiah is going to come in and he's going to prop it up for a while. He's going to make some good things out of it, but he's the last one. And then things are going to go south fast. I think Josiah comes in. He's pretty good too. As we look ahead to chapter 17, Man by Hosea is the last king of the northern kingdom, and they get carried away. Look at your sheet here. You can see here, Hosea is the last king of the northern kingdom of Israel. And that's what we're going to study next week in chapter 17. And during his reign, the northern kingdom of Israel is carried away, and it's no more. It's the end of the northern kingdom. But we are here. And you can see we still have these kings to go in the southern kingdom. Both Hezekiah and, as I said, Josiah are good kings, but the rest of them are bad kings. And they ended up getting carried away to Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar for 70 years. We want you to continue to draw close to the Lord. We want you to continue to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Reach out to your neighbors. Reach out to those who are around you. Reach out to our friends. Phone calls. Make sure everybody's okay. Watch out for each other's back. Help out each other. Let's share the love of Christ in this time of woe, in this time of chaos. If you've been to Acme lately, don't go. Let's share the love of Christ wherever we go, that people might know him. Amen? You are a sure
Our time with you today has come to an end on a sure hope. But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 2 Kings. In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for Assure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We gather each week for a time of worship and Bible study. Our service times are Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609 609- 884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more details. If you prefer email, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live. Just look for a link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 2 Kings. We're looking forward to the next edition as Pastor Dave will share more from this Old Testament book about the rise and fall of many kings. There are lessons to be learned about leaders who were just people. May what you hear give you a sure hope.